Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Who do you say that I am? This is the question Jesus asked his disciples, his followers. It's a life and death question, a heaven and hell question, a question question whose answer has eternal implications. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And Peter's answer is true. His confession is true. But Jesus has to teach. He has to explain his Messiahship. He has to define the office of Christ. For centuries, God's people had longed for a Messiah, one promised in the Old Testament who would be sent by the Lord, anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. And the expectation was that the Messiah would lead God's people, save God's people, free God's people, overthrow their enemies, be victorious, triumphant. When Jesus tells his disciples that he would be rejected, suffer, and be killed, His road, his way led to the cross. A cruel instrument of rejection, a cruel instrument of suffering, a cruel instrument of death. But that was his mission. That was his ministry. He would be a crucified Christ, a suffering Messiah. But through the cross, Jesus reveals the very heart of God, the love of God a selfless, sacrificial, willing-to-die love for you. Through the cross, Jesus conquered one victory over sin and death and Satan for you. By your wounds, by his wounds, you are healed. And he calls all who would follow him, all who would be his disciples, all who would walk in his way, all who would receive the salvation he brings to deny themselves and take up their cross. In other words, to die to self and to follow him to rejection and suffering and death. Well, six days later, Jesus went up a mountain. He took Peter and James and John, three of his disciples, with him up a mountain. Now, in the Bible, in the scriptures, significant, consequential events happen on mountains. When a passage includes a mountain, get ready. Be prepared. Our Old Testament reading from Exodus takes place on a mountain. Mount Sinai. God's people were gathered together at the foot of the mountain. And only weeks before, they were slaves. They were in chains in Egypt, but God had freed them. God had redeemed them. He brought them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God brought them out of slavery, led them through the sea, and brought them to Mount Sinai. Here on the mountain, he made covenant with them promised to be their God, promised that they would be his people. And from the mountain, he spoke the law. He gave the law. 
the Ten Commandments, showing his people how he desired them to live. Well, in our passage, the Lord calls Moses up the mountain. God's going to give Moses stone tablets, stone tablets with his law written on them. And as Moses ascends, a cloud covers the mountain for six days over the mountain, a cloud revealing the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, and appearing like fire to God's people down below. And it's out of the cloud that the Lord speaks. Jesus takes Peter and James and John up a mountain. And on the mountain, Jesus was transfigured. The Greek word translated transfigured is metamorphoon. It's, it's where we get our word metamorphosis, meaning change of form. Whenever this word is used in the Bible, and it's not used very much, it refers to a radical transformation. Jesus was transfigured before them, radically transformed before them. His person changed so much so that it changed his clothes. His clothes became radiant, shining, a brilliant white. A white beyond the power of any bleach. For a few brief moments, the three disciples up on the mountain glimpsed the dazzling glory of Jesus they received a lightning flash of the true nature of Jesus. They, they glanced a momentary revelation of his divinity. And the timing is key. It's only been six days since Jesus told them he would be rejected and suffer and die. It's only been six days since Jesus rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. It's only been six days since he called them to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Six days of the sobering reality of where Jesus's way led. Six days of grim anticipation at what lie ahead. And here on the mountain, they behold his true nature. The one who would suffer and die, the one whose way led to the cross, shined forth divine light, divine beauty, the very glory of God. What an overwhelming vision. And what an, a seemingly incompatible reality. Suffering and glory, humiliation and exaltation. But that's the gospel. Suffering and glory, humiliation and exaltation. That's Jesus. And not only do they see him change, not only do they see him transfigured before their very eyes, suddenly two figures appear next to him, talking with him, Elijah and Moses. Two Old Testament prophets, prophets whom the Lord used to speak to his people, two of Israel's deliverers, one who delivered them from Egypt, one who delivered them from idolatry to Baal, two who, who, who in their lifetimes ascended Mount Sinai. And on the mountain, God revealed himself to both of them, manifest his glory to both of them, spoke to both of them. And here they are on the mountain with Jesus. And what is the reaction of the disciples? Well, how, how would you react in the, in the presence of divine glory? How would you respond in the sight of, of two of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel? They were terrified, frightened, scared, witless, and rightly so. But, but even in his fear, Peter 
spoke, bold Peter. Even though he didn't know what to say, Peter spoke. Now listen, listen again to his words in verse 5 of our passage. Peter says, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Jesus, this is good. Let's, let's make some shelter for you. That way, that way you can stay. That way you can be comfortable. But before there was even an opportunity for a reply, something else happened. A cloud overshadowed them. A cloud descended upon them, just like in Mount Sinai. The presence of God. The glory of God. And a voice speaks out of the cloud, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Now, similar words were spoken at Jesus' baptism. When, when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the Father spoke to him from heaven, spoke to Jesus from heaven, saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Well, these words on the mountain, these words out of the cloud are, are spoken to the disciples, are spoken to Peter and James and John. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my son. The father must reveal his son. As the disciples have shown, the, the, the identity of Jesus is something that you just can't grasp on your own, understand on your own, through your own will or through your own reason. You might have a glimpse. The disciples had a glimpse. He's the Christ. You might have a glance. He suffered. He, he died. But, but, but to know fully, to understand fully, to, to see clearly God must reveal it to you. God's got to seal it in your heart. He's got to make it known in your mind so that you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, fully divine and fully man, that he is the crucified Christ, humiliated, that he was raised from the dead, exalted. Listen to him. The Father says, hear him. Believe his words. He will be rejected. He will suffer. He will die. He will rise again. It's for you. It's for your salvation. Listen to him. Obey him. Take up your cross. Follow him. Well, after hearing these words, the disciples looked around. And there was Jesus, alone. The cloud was no longer there. Moses and Elijah were no longer there. Moses and Elijah fade away, but Jesus remains. And as they made their way down the mountain, back to the valley, back to the road, Jesus charged them to tell no one. He wanted them to keep their mountaintop experience a secret, at least until his resurrection, until he rose from the dead. But these words confounded them, confused them. They, they, they asked one another, what does he mean by rising from the dead? 
Now, to be sure, they weren't confused about the resurrection. For, for 200 years, Jews had, had taught about the resurrection, argued over the resurrection, that there would be a general rising from the dead at the end of time and history. And this was believed and taught by the Pharisees. But there certainly wasn't any teaching about anyone being resurrected before the end. And maybe that confused them. Or, or maybe after witnessing Jesus in his glory, after seeing Moses and Elijah, after hearing the voice of the Father, maybe they were confused that he could still be talking about his death. Confounded that he mentioned his own death. They wanted to be back on the mountain, under the cloud, far from the cross. But they don't ask Jesus about it. Instead, they asked Jesus about Elijah, the prophet that was just talking to Jesus. Listen, listen to verse 11 again. Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Now, based on the prophet Malachi, the scribes taught that the prophet Elijah would return one day, and his return would usher in the day of the Lord the day of the Lord, a great and terrible day. And when that day happened, the kingdom of God would break through. The Messiah would come and the Lord himself would come and judge the earth. Now, their question to Jesus is really a leading one. If Elijah's coming ushered in the kingdom, if Elijah's coming ushered in the day of the Lord, a day of victory, why would Jesus need to suffer? Why would he need to die? Couldn't they just wait for Elijah to come? Well, Jesus' answer is twofold. First, he says, it is true. Elijah must come. And in fact, Jesus says, he's already come. And they did with him whatever they pleased. And Jesus is referring to, to John the Baptist. And in fact, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus makes clear that John fulfilled the role of Elijah, preparing the way, preparing the way for the Messiah, for the kingdom, for the day of the Lord. And John's ministry did not end triumphantly. John was imprisoned and John was beheaded. Likewise, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer. He must suffer. It's written in the scriptures. His way led to the cross. Well, the disciples had a mountaintop experience. They had an exalted spiritual encounter, one like none other. They witnessed the Son in His glory. They, they heard the voice of the Father. They saw Moses and Elijah. And they didn't want to leave. They wanted to make tents. They wanted to construct shelter so that they could stay. So that they could remain there. Up on the mountain. But after experiencing the glory of the mountain, they wondered why Jesus had to keep talking about death. They kept wondering why the road had to lead to rejection and suffering. Why couldn't they just wait on Elijah to come? Even though they left the mountain, they still wanted to be there. 
Even though they were in the valley, they still wanted to be up on the mountain. Even though they were back on the road to Jerusalem, they still wanted to be on the mountain. Now, the same thing can happen to us. The same thing can happen to you. To followers of Jesus today, you can have a mountaintop experience. You can have an exalted spiritual encounter. Maybe that takes place at a camp or a retreat, a conference, a mission trip, at a, at a worship service, or a moment when you're praying, reading the scripture. Maybe it happened when you were hiking in the Smoky Mountain National Park. It's a, a, a time in your life where you felt so strongly the presence of God, where you had a, a, a real glimpse of his glory, where you felt the light of his radiance, where you heard him speak clearly to you, a time when your eyes were opened, your mind was clear, your heart was full. In that moment, you really knew God. You, you, you felt him. And you understood the immensity of the sacrifice of his son. You, in that moment, you knew you belonged to him. You knew you were his child, that your life was his, and you were going to live for him. You are up on the mountain with God. Have you been there? Even, even if it was just for a moment. But were you like Peter? Did you want to stay? Did you want to pitch a tent? Did you want to, want to dwell there? Well, like Peter, you can't. You can't live on the mountaintop. You, you can't stay on the mountaintop. You've got to come down. Sometimes you've got to come down. If you follow Jesus, you've got to descend to the valley, to the road. Why? Because he did. And you follow his way. It's the way of the cross. His way leads through suffering and death. Christian life is not a continuous mountaintop experience. You might have them. And when you do, they're gifts. But the truth is that most of the Christian life is in the valley. Most of the Christian life is on the road. So don't, don't spend your life wishing you were still on the mountain. Don't, don't spend your life trying to find your way back to the mountain to live it again. Because wh wh when you do, that means your eyes are on the mountain. You're focused on the mountain and not on Jesus. Not on the one that you're supposed to be following, listening to, 
And when you do follow him, he doesn't promise you life on the mountain. What he does promise is to be with you. He promises to be with you through this, <coughs> through this life, through this life that contains normal, uneventful, regular days. Regular days of work, regular days of school, regular days of meals, regular days of rest. And he promises to be with you through this life that also has hardship, disappointment, tears, suffering, and death. But Jesus has gone before you. But don't forget the mountain. Don't forget the mountain. The disciples didn't because the mountaintop gives you a glimpse of eternity. It gives you a taste of glory. It gives you a taste of heaven, which is where Jesus leads you because the cross leads to eternal life where you will behold the glory of your Savior, where you will hear the voice of the Father, where your eyes will be open, your mind will be clear, and your heart will be full forever. Thanks be to God. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 